overview of our history, and I think you guys got a pretty thorough verbal view. Our beliefs, we basically are non-denominational, but evangelical, very Bible-believing. What would distinguish us from a Pentecostal church would be, we don't teach that tongues is the only sign that someone has been filled with the Spirit. Biblically, there's multiple signs. Tongues is one of them, for sure. It happens quite often that way, but to say that if you don't have tongues, you don't have the Spirit... If you've asked him for the spirit, he's not going to give you a stone or a scorpion or a snake. He's going to give you his spirit. That would distinguish us from those Pentecostal churches that say, nope, you don't have it yet. You must speak in tongues, otherwise you don't have it. We believe in the return of Christ, but we don't believe in setting dates for his return. Are we pre-millennial, pre-trib, mid-trib? We are pan-millennialists. It's all going to pan out. (laughs) The Lord has it under control. If you look at Matthew 24, Jesus was asked three questions. And I believe he answered three questions. And one of those questions related to the destruction of Jerusalem. The other two questions related to his return. And the end of time. And I do not believe those two things have happened yet. So, Anyway, so that's what would make us unique. Does somebody have to agree with us 100% on all of our beliefs? No. But we would like for you to, to know what we believe. So, and this isn't everything we believe. By all means, review these. Any of these you want to talk about, by all means, call me and we can talk about it. But right now, let's talk about the foundation of the church. If you have a pen, this is fill in the blanks. Number one, the church is built on the foundation of knowing Jesus Christ personally. In Matthew 16, he asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. Bar means son of. If he was Scottish, it would be Simon MacJonah, or Irish Simon O'Jonah, or Swedish Simon Jonasson, or Simon Johnson. So his dad was Jonah or John. Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades should not prevail against it. So the church is built on knowing who Jesus is. But not just knowing who he is, like knowing who Vice President Joe Biden is, but knowing Joe Biden would be different than knowing who he is. And so I believe Peter knew this because the Father revealed his son to him. His eyes were open. He was blessed. And as a result, he got a new identity, which brings us to our next point. Jesus Christ builds the church as he gives us new identities. So the church is built on knowing Jesus and it's built by people with new identities. Jesus told him, Simon Barjona, you are Peter. Gave him a new name. Peter means rock or little rock. Petros, literally. Petros, the big rock the church is built on. Petros, the little rock that's built on the church. So he gives them a name that connects him with what the church is, which is a new identity. When he first met him, he had already done this. In the Aramaic language, he named him Cephas, the first time he ever met the guy. 
which means a stone in John chapter 1. Paul wrote in his second letter to the church in Corinth, If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So the church is built on knowing Jesus. Picture a foundation, knowing Jesus. Picture the walls uh, being known by him as new creations. Number three, if we will relate openly to others on the basis of how God sees them, we will be rewarded. So as the walls of the church are going up with people with new identities, it's important that we relate to each other based on our new identities and not our old one. So the guy on the front row isn't an ex-con. The guy on the front row is called to be a mighty man of God. So we've got to relate to one another. The lady on the back row isn't someone with a past. The lady on the back row is my sister in Christ, destined for heavenly things, to be used mightily by God. This is what makes a church healthy. Is this unique to this church? No, every church would say, well, that's what we want. So we're just explaining something that's foundational. In Matthew 10, Jesus said, he who receives you receives me. Okay, you guys are my representatives. And if people receive you or they're open to you, they listen to you, they're listening to me, receive you. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. In other words, my father sent me, I'm his representative, and whoever relates to me at the level of receiving, they're open to the Father. And so Christ gives us that kind of delegated position that we are his representatives, and if people are kind to us, allow us to minister to them, they're being open to Jesus. All right? He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet, that is, as though they were a prophet, shall receive a prophet's reward. What is that? A prophet is somebody with a prophetic gift to exhort, edify, comfort the church, equip the saints for ministry in that area. And if we relate to a prophet as though he were a prophet, that person will be able to be a prophet in our midst. So the prophet's reward is the prophet is able to minister effectively. But if we shut off somebody with prophetic gifts and don't receive from them, we don't get the benefit of their ministry, right? So it is in a healthy church, if we're open to each other on the basis of what God has called us to be, we'll be able to be all that we've been called to be. And we'll reap the benefit of going to church with people that aren't knuckleheads. Because we're not looking at each other as knuckleheads. We're looking at each other through the eyes of Jesus. Uh, next sentence. He who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. So... This is basically a principle of receiving people as God sees them. Because we know none of our righteousness comes from us. It's been given to us. So if I relate to you on the basis of your given righteousness, you're going to be able to be what? You're going to be able to be righteous. Have you ever gone to a family reunion or someplace where people really don't know you? You're not really able to be yourself. Maybe you're just that kid that messed his pants at the reunion 39 years ago. And so people don't relate to you for the awesome person you've become. May church never be like that kind of a family reunion. That we don't look at each other through the eyes of the past, but through the eyes of the future. And so it applies to children. Whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of water in the name of a disciple, that is, the name of someone who's maturing, 
as though they were maturing, surely I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. And what will that reward be? That little child will grow up and become a disciple. But if we treat kids as though they're no good, they're never going to be any good, guess what? They're not. There's a law of the lid. You ever heard of the law of the lid? You train fleas by putting them in a jar and keep the lid on it, and they learn you can only jump so high. Take the lid off, the fleas will stay in the jar. Meanwhile, Christ has taken the lid off and taken the limits off. Doesn't mean we can be everything we want to be, but we can be all that he's called us to be. And so we've got to help one another take the limits off. All right, number four, knowing Jesus and one another as God reveals them are the characteristics of a healthy church. Now remember Peter or Simon Johnson? Simon Johansson? He was named a stone. Look at what he wrote. Coming to him or coming to Jesus as to a living stone. Rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So Christ himself was rejected. But he gave acceptance. The name Simon means hearer. Simon wasn't a hearer. He wasn't a solid man. He loved the Lord one day and next day denied that he knew him. He cut somebody's ear off one day and next day cussed and said, I never knew Jesus. He wasn't a stable person. He, didn't, he was not a good listener even though he had a good name. The Lord gave him a solid name. You're going to be a solid man. I'm going to name you Rocky or Stony or Peter, Petros. The last part of the lower paragraph there, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people but are now the people of God. That's us. We're living stones. We're called to be what Christ called us to be. If one living stone won't relate to another living stone... They can't be part of the building up of the house. I guess they can lay out in the parking lot somewhere. But anyway. Number five, healthy churches seek to do everything Jesus said. We don't believe that Jesus came and only spoke meaningless platitudes or only spoke in the ideal. He spoke very important things that we need the power and help of God to be able to obey. But the things he said are important. And just because we can't do them in our own strength doesn't mean we're not supposed to run and ask him for help. Help me, Lord, to forgive. Help me, Lord, to love my enemies. In Matthew 7, he said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. And he goes on and talks about those people we mentioned this morning. that They prophesied in his name, cast out demons, did wonders in his name, and he'll say, Depart from me. I never knew you. Why? Because they didn't do what he said. Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. 
the word rock is, has such imagery in the church. It speaks of Christ himself. It speaks of his own words. It speaks of us who are being built on the rock. We too are rocks. A lot of people don't know this, but in Nazareth, where Jesus grew up, there aren't any trees. So how can Jesus grow up as a son of a carpenter and be a carpenter himself with no wood around? The Greek word for carpenter also means stonemason. It basically means a builder. And it could be that he was a stonemason more so than he was a carpenter. In fact, the mangers in the Holy Land are not made out of wood. They're made out of rock. Picture a big rock that's got a tub dug out of it. This is where they would lay the hay to feed the horses and feed the cattle. This is where Jesus, who's a stone that the builders rejected, was laid to rest when he was a baby. I got to go to the Holy Land once and was mightily impacted in Nazareth. It's not a pretty place. It's like a, a village in Mexico. Dusty and hot, no shade trees. And the synagogue is made out of rock, totally. Imagine a dome made out of rock. That's the synagogue. And while we're worshiping in there, I just I couldn't stop weeping, thinking of the humility of the Son of God leaving the throne of heaven, coming to Nazareth. No wonder they said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And working with his hands, working with rock. And it wasn't the same synagogue, but it was built like it would have been in the day of Christ. The same synagogue was long been destroyed because it was so old. The imagery of rocks and the church, it's significant to the life of Christ and to the way things really are. You can cut boards and stuff like that, but they can be burned up. But as the people of God, we're not going to be burned up. Cutting on us takes more than a saw, man. It takes a hammer and a chisel. And <laughs> the Lord fashioning us, cutting us, making us like himself. So to be a healthy, to be a healthy church implies that we take everything he says seriously. Now look at the verses there at the bottom. 1 John chapter 2. This, by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. All right, remember the foundation of the church is knowing Christ. So if we know Christ, we know he's the Messiah, we know he's the Lord, then what he has to say is going to be real important to us. If it's not, we really don't know him. I hope you can see we've come full circle. What the church is built on, what the church is built with, People with new a church built on the rock of knowing Jesus. The church is built with people giving new identities. The church relates to itself in a healthy fashion by us viewing one another through the eyes of Jesus. And the church is healthy by taking seriously the things Jesus said. And so we're back to where we started. If we know him, we will keep his commandments. In the Great Commission in Matthew 28, he told them to go and make disciples, baptize them, and teach them to observe everything he commanded. Not Moses, him. And he gave about 70 commands, if you look at them, if you 
kind of draw them out. They're, they're in there in the midst of stories and applications and parables. Word of God made flesh came and showed us how to live. Not just as our example, but as our Lord. And he healed bodies, but he gave commands that healed relationships. He came for the whole person. So I hope it means sense to you. The last verse there, the last phrase, the last sentence on that page in 1 John 2, verse 6. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. So the life of Christ is really important for us as believers, as individuals, and for us as a church corporately. I believe the Lord views us in two ways. He views us as individuals and he views us as a group. We're his children. You're his child. Right? You're his living stone. We're his living stones being built up into a spiritual house.